Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. All right, welcome to another episode of Data Protection Gumbo. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and today we have a fantastic guest lined up for you today. I have Yoav Nathaniel on, and he is the CEO at Silk Security. And uh, just a little bit about who he is. Uh, he has a passion for technology innovations and also customer satisfaction. He was also the first employee of Avanon, a cloud security company that was acquired by Checkpoint. And he later moved to Goldman Sachs where he led the firm-wide cloud security engineering team, building cloud security standards, roadmap, and technologies serving the entire organization. So Yoav, welcome to the gumbo. How are you today? Absolutely. And why don't you start off just by giving the audience an update on who you, who you guys are, Silk Security, and maybe a little bit about your story as to why you, you guys uh, created the company as well. Absolutely. We started Silk because, uh, not because we came up with a, a really cool solution that we could provide to the market, rather. We started it because we are the founders of Silk, myself, Warren Barr, uh, we're practitioners in our previous lives um, and in the security field. And we personally experienced a pain point that is extremely widespread. Um, and uh, we tackled it in different forms um, in our previous lives. But we asked ourselves, why is there no good platform on the market that we could have bought for ourselves to use when, back when we were customers? And so it really came out of necessity and frustration that we started the company. And so I think it actually gives us a a unique advantage to address the problem uh, that that we've come to address. Now, a little bit about myself. Um, I I was born in Israel, but I actually grew up in the New York, New Jersey area. Um, And my background is in cloud security. I I started working in cloud security before cloud was even considered to be secure. People were still joking about it back then. Yeah. Um, and um, before you know it, I I was working in Goldman Sachs, uh, where uh, I would, I was in a team that that oversaw all of the cloud infrastructure activity for the organization, um, and we had to not only come up with uh, the security standards for how uh, the organization should operate in the cloud, but also uh, we would find all sorts of uh, issues or misconfigurations in the cloud. And uh, we were tasked by the CISORG to actually do something about it. Having, uh, having seen hundreds of thousands of issues uh, at an enterprise scale that need to be addressed by 12,000 engineers, I think it became very apparent that the distribution of workforce, um, coupled with the enormous amount of data that security organizations have to deal with, um, is, a, is a big issue. And so... 
they put me in charge of creating a cloud risk remediation committee and partnering with GRC to um, really not just align uh, the executive leadership and make sure that all the business units are aware of what actions need to be taken um, and who's responsible for what and how are we trending, what are we measuring, what's the roadmap. And these are conversations at the executive level that most organizations and most CISOs strive to have on a monthly cadence. Um, but a lot of those conversations go nowhere unless you also manage to build alignment um, at the bottom level of the organization, which is the actual developers, um, the IT folks, or the, what you, you might consider it as the remediation owners. Uh, the people who generally created the problems are also going to be the ones that fix those problems. And the security organization today is largely seen as um, as the owner of security, while in Goldman we really transformed that to become the facilitators of security. Um, so how do we facilitate risk throughout the organization and, and mobilize 12,000 engineers to actually take action? Um, and, and, uh, and we did a fantastic job for cloud security and a few other domains, but I was looking for a solution or a platform that could cover the entire enterprise the entire Goldman footprint, on-prem, cloud, IOTs, laptops, like with, with all the complexities. And really, there wasn't a good solution to adopt. With Silk, we decided to launch the company where we would support virtually any type of security risk or finding that the organization has to deal with on any type of infrastructure. And so it was key for us to be able to support the entire enterprise, regardless of how complex it might be, from day one. And honestly, that decision today um, is paying us dividends because not only has it unlocked a much larger, larger market for us, but while most startups shy away from complex environments, they typically prefer uh, to focus on cloud because it's more predictable, it's easier to navigate, um, it's more standardized. Um, most of the organizations still have the majority of their footprint on-prem. Yeah, and if you if you don't mind, let let's let's jump into a uh, into another question where where we will go go down the rabbit hole of of some of these complexities. And and I am also seeing here that you have a phrase: cybersecurity is a tangled mess, <laughs> which we we all know that it, it's a lot. Right now, as far as uh, looking in the news and you're seeing, you know, this breach, that cyber attack, this nation state attack, this ransomware attack and data exfiltration, extortion, double extortion. And then you mentioned DevOps and, and you and you also have a conversation with with some of the guys on the floor. Uh, let, let's say some of these 12,000 security engineers, right? They are the ones sitting in the seats. They're the one turning the knobs and in the uh, dials of of these different you know applications to try to keep the risk minimized in environments. There's there's a, a lot of different things, right? So we're talking environments are shifting. We're talking all of these different tools and and the alerts that security operations teams are getting. Let, let's talk risk for a second. So if you were a lower level operations, uh, let's say a DevOps engineer, how do you think that they view risk versus the way that, let's say, the CISO views risk and, and how can they meet in the middle when when you're talking doing the work versus trying to communicate <laughs> the the overall risk of, of what, what the uh, the business needs? Absolutely. 
Um, first and foremost, uh, the DevOps and the CISO don't speak the same language. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They have completely different objectives, completely different levels of expertise and areas of focus. Um, and to be honest, from what I've learned over the years, is that they, they also process data very differently. The CISO is going to go about measuring risk much more comprehensively and in a much more structured way. Uh, while the average developer or DevOps engineer um, usually goes with their guts. They don't, they, they're not as well-versed usually in, in calculation of, of risk and all the factors that might go into it. Um, and so from, from the CISO's perspective, <coughs> they, they want to see everything that's going on. They want to be aware of what is going to what they're going to take care of right now and what they're not going to take care of. They have to make the hard decisions as to what is the business going to prioritize uh, when it comes time to address those risks. Um, and, um, and, and how are they doing about it and building the right processes and operational excellence um, to actually manage the risk for the organization. Um, the DevOps wants to build. They want to... Um, create new applications. They want to enable developers to deploy. If you try to send a DevOps person a giant Excel spreadsheet with 10,000 risks that came out of a Wiz or a Prisma, yeah. um, the first thing that they'll come back and say, listen, I, I don't have time for all this. Can you give me the top three items uh, <laughs> or, or, or go away? Because like, this is too confusing yeah, for me. Right. And, and so... Mm -hmm. I once asked a DevOps person, um, how do you view security and the security organization in your org? And it's a San Francisco-based software company with like 2,000 people. Um, and he gave me such a, a beautiful way to look at it. He said, security is um, unprepared. It's, they're always unprepared. And it caught my attention because we're swimming in data. And we're always trying to come up with the reports and communicate those reports. And they're massive and they're not exactly accurate. They're not up to date. They don't have all the context that we need. Um, and, from, and, and they're always running around from one meeting to the next and trying to get the organization to pay attention to what needs to be fixed. Because they are the machine that's powering all the processes uh, that en enable risk reduction for the organization. Well, on the receiving end... You have a DevOps person that joins that monthly call and they get an overwhelming amount of data. They don't know what to focus on and so they leave the meeting with no action items. And they're a little bit lost. It's not like they, the DevOps person doesn't want to, to help reduce risk. We all are, know that security is a team sport. We all want to work together. But it's all about focus. Can you, as a, as a CISO, provide focus to that DevOps engineer so that they leave that call or they wake up in the morning and the action items are very clear of what they need to do. And you have to recognize that they can only take so many action items. And so if you're going to tell them to go do certain things, give them just the right amount of things that they can actually take care of. Yeah. And l let me ask you this, how, how since it's, it is so much, it's like unorganized or maybe it's organized chaos. I'm, I'm not, not quite sure how I want to frame it, but what do you recommend or, or how does 
the security team, the SecOps team, consolidate and maybe contextualize all of these different findings? Because as you as you mentioned earlier, it's coming from everywhere, right? You have, you know, infrastructure in AWS, it's sending alerts and you have Azure, it's sending alerts. You have some some containers and some Kubernetes clusters running and they're sending alerts. And I mean, it's just, it it, it is a lot, right? It's it's very stressful and, and, and there are only so many people that can manage an environment and, and there's only 24 hours in a day. So what, what do you recommend? How can that DevOps engineer and maybe that 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 SecOps engineer, how can they get a handle on this? Is it is it the tools or or is it some other type of method that that they can use in order to kind of uh, take take some of the chaos out of the noise? Yeah, I I think there's different methods that can be implemented, and some tools provide those methods out of the box. So you can either build them yourselves, and it's going to be very very hard for you, and you're going to need a team to to try to put this together, which basically every large organization has a small team that's been trying to address this and most organizations have failed to do something successful. Um, and so that's, that's why we opted to build Silk because we thought we could build a tool that's a hundred times better than everything else that's being built internally nowadays. Um, but the, it all starts from the fact that you mentioned you have containers and on-prem and cloud and, and code issues and the pen tests. They're all different domains of security um, that scans different type of infrastructure. And they're coming out of different tools in different formats and different levels of context. The first thing that we need to do is make sure that we're, we're speaking one universal language. If we're going to speak in 20 different languages, then how are we going to build the Tower of Babylon? Um, so so with, with Silk, what we've done, the very first step is really being able to normalize everything into one unified um, data model. We call it the Silk finding that allows us to start treating all of our findings in a universal manner. So we don't need to... Um, if we want to prioritize container issues or risks for containers or misconfigurations in the cloud, the steps that we're going to take afterwards are going to be very similar to each other rather than having to reinvent the wheel for every domain of security. Because that redundancy is going to kill us, it's going to make us inconsistent, um, and it's just it's going to add a lot of work for the security team. And to be honest, Today, a lot of that is being done manually in siloed security teams, and so they don't speak the same language. And that is the first issue that the security team has before they even approach the DevOps. Okay, yeah, and and uh, I'm going to ask a, a really this may be a, a silly question here, and and I, I may ask maybe one more question here just to keep keep the episode concise and short, like so since there are so many competing priorities, and so you have all these different types of risks out there, right? You have vulnerability systems are unpatched. You also, I'm sure you have some systems that may not have, you know, multi-factor authentication enabled. And there may be some issues on the VPN side. And I mean, there, there are so many, so many different vulnerabilities and issues and, and openings as to where and how 
a um, a threat actor can get get into your environment and and sit there for like what <laughs> months and running reconnaissance before they even show themselves. How do you prioritize that? What's what's like the the smartest thing that you can do, or the first thing that 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 you can do if you had to just maybe tackle one thing first, and then after that you started doing that that second thing. General, if I had to oversimplify it, obviously we have a risk-based model that takes into account so many different things. But if I had to oversimplify it, you want to take a look at three aspects of any threat that, that comes in, if you ask me. Um, you want to see kind of uh, what kind of damage can this type of vulnerability do to any given system, just an arbitrary system. Like, can it really take it down? Um, and, and so understanding the impact of each vulnerability or each risk um, is critical because it, it helps us understand if this is a, a minor issue or a big issue for any given system that it impacts. The second is how active is this type of threat? Are people targeting it? Is there an exploit in the wild? Is it remotely exploitable? Is the government insisting that we, that we deal with this urgently? Um, so being a, be, looking at what is the world saying about this and what is external to the organization that's related to this type of risk. And the third really, really important pillar that today organizations are very much struggling with is bringing that uh, business and environmental context. So that business impact. Understanding, okay, so now that we understand this is an active threat and it can take down an entire system but it's impacting a laptop that nobody gives a crap about, that helps us deprioritize something that a second ago looked really bad. Um, and so if you factor all three of these, you end up having what starts resembling a pyramid of security issues. Um, and uh, with Silk, we help you really build that pyramid and start chopping it from the top down. And uh, I, I appreciate you you sharing all that, and I, I always try to to get some insight from from very smart individuals like yourself. You've been doing this for quite some time. You you have some great experience, uh, not only as a uh, a founder, but also in the trenches, maybe running the commands and feeling the pr- the pain and pressure of trying to secure environments and minimize the risk. So, uh, Yoav, what, what are you reading? Any, anything interesting that, that you like to, to share? Maybe a book recommendation or uh, some, maybe a white paper or something. I don't know. You know, um, I read a tremendous amount every single day. To tell you that there is uh, one piece that uh, I recommend people look at, um, it's not. We have, uh, in the security field, you constantly have to stay up to date. And so I always recommend learning about the new types of vulnerabilities that are out there, what's trending, how operations are, are actually performing. And many times when you, when you read it on the news, it's, it's going to give you big statistics that, that are great, but there is nothing better than understanding what's happening on the ground. How are people actually dealing with issues? How do they view issues? And how do they view the outlook in the future as to how they're going to address issues? Um, and we want to be on a better path as a sec- uh, in the security field in general. I think security today is a big priority for the world, but in the next 30 years, it's going to be the number one priority because virtually any problem 
that we try to, to address uh, in humanity is going to be tackled with technology. And without cybersecurity, we're not going to get very far. So being able to stay educated and up-to-date and getting your hands dirty, um, I think, is key to, um, to consistently staying up-to-date around the latest types of threats. Okay, great. And you, so you mentioned getting that information from staying on the ground or being in the ground and not in the ground, but being on, on the ground in the trenches, right? And um, so some of us may not have a, uh, a role where we could actually reach out and find others' perspectives. And to me, in my head, you have to maybe get out and attend some conferences or some view some webinars or some live streaming or just get active on social media and start poking around there. But, you know, in any, any source, like, do you, you read like the latest wall street journal, New York times or dark reading and some of these other security sites to kind of stay abreast as well? Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of the wall street journal. Um, okay. Dark reading once uh, interviewed me a long time ago and posted about some of the vulnerabilities that I published back mm, in the day nice. for email security. Um, okay. Uh, and so there's tons of magazines out there. There's also SC magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, I could start naming all of them. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but if you do a, a Google search for top cybersecurity magazines, you'll come up with uh, 20 uh, top items like Krebs on security is another good one. Um, and you need a good mix of them. I haven't found a single source that covers everything. Yeah. And some of them are a little bit more technical. The Hacker News, for example, is a little bit more of a geeky one that focuses more on the vulnerabilities versus the Wall Street Journal that focuses on larger themes um, and macro risks, which I value a lot too, especially as the world of security is, is kind of shifting into or molding with GRC. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, along with the thread of artificial intelligence, it's... Uh... It's getting to get a little spooky and things are moving a lot faster <laughs> as, as yes. we speak. So Absolutely. Uh, let, let's begin to, to wrap up the episode. I, I do appreciate you taking time out to share some of your knowledge and information. It was very informative for me. And so I'm sure that the audience will, will have some tidbits and takeaways also from, from the episode. So uh, I, I really appreciate you being here. And before I let everyone go, um, I'd like to put a plug in for the Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group that I run. There's over 22,000 cybersecurity, backup, recovery, storage, data protection professionals there. So please go check out that group. And uh, we, we love to have similar conversations such as the ones we're having right here on the podcast. So, Yoav, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and thank you everyone for listening.